well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad that you've joined me today. Celebrating uh, Taco Tuesday, we've got the uh, American flag theme taco. We have the, uh, let's see, Taco Cat. There we go. What am I having for dinner tonight? Probably Chinese food. Uh, coming up on the program today, not only do we have our recidivist report, our good deed of the day, and our armed citizen story, but we're going to be taking a look at a new study that purports, well, that, that, that took a look at what happened when a newspaper in Memphis, Tennessee, published the names of concealed carry holders. Now, this didn't happen recently. This was back in 2009, uh, 2008, actually, December of 2008. Uh, As the uh, study's authors uh, report here, they say uh, open government holds the promise of both a more efficient but more accountable and transparent government. It's not clear, however, how transparent information about citizens and their interaction with government, however, affects the welfare of those citizens, and if so, in what direction? So, the researchers decided to investigate this by using as a, quote, natural experiment the effect of the online publication of the names and addresses of holders of handgun carry permits on criminals' propensity to commit burglaries. In December of 2008, they write a Memphis, Tennessee newspaper, published a searchable online database of names, zip codes, and ages of Tennessee handgun carry permit holders. They used detailed crime and handgun carry permit data of the the city of Memphis to estimate the impact of publicity about the database on burglaries. And they found that burglaries increased in zip codes with fewer gun permits and decreased in those uh, areas where there were more gun permits after the database was published. And a pretty noticeable change, according to the researchers. By the way, the researchers, uh, Alessandro Aquisti of uh, Carnegie Mellon University and uh, Catherine Tucker of MIT's Sloan School of Management in uh, Massachusetts, they found about an 18% decline in the number of burglaries in parts of the city that had a high number of concealed carry holders. Now, what is interesting is that when this database was published, and Memphis wasn't the only paper to do this, uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer did this on a regular basis in Ohio. The uh, Argus Leader newspaper did this in South Dakota. In fact, the Argus Leader, when the state of South Dakota actually changed its law to prohibit the publication of this type of information going forward and to prohibit the release of this information going forward, the Argus Leader, on the last day that this information was publicly available, went to the Secretary of State's office in South Dakota, and they just hoovered up uh, as many names of uh, concealed carry holders as they could so they could continue to print the names, and I believe in those cases, the specific address of those permit holders uh, for as long as they could going forward. So Memphis and the Commercial Appeal, not the only paper to do this. It has, I think, declined in popularity along with, frankly, newspapers. (laughs) But uh, you still see, I think even a couple of years ago, there was a outlet out of New York who published an online searchable database of permit holders, and I believe it was like Westchester County. I don't think it was all of New York City, but I think it was Westchester County. So you do continue to see what I consider to be an invasion of privacy of gun owners. And even though the researchers in this case say, well, look, I mean, the publication of this information led to a decline in burglaries in in areas where there were a lot of gun owners, 
The researchers also found that, uh, well, burglaries increased in those low gun permit areas. In fact, uh, this gets a little dry and academic here, but they say that um, for zip codes with many gun permits, burglaries and thefts decreased relatively to median gun permit zip codes, but burglaries and to a lesser extent robberies Increase. That is, burglars may have been deterred from burglarizing homes in higher gun permit zip codes. Their crime is being displaced to zip codes with fewer guns. Relative to zip codes with the middle number of permits, zip codes with the highest concentration of permits experienced roughly 1.9 fewer burglaries per week per zip code in the 15 weeks following the publication of the database. Those with the lowest concentration experienced on average 1.4 more burglaries. Given that, on average, there were 9.7 burglaries per week in each of the top zip codes, the results imply a 20% relative decrease of burglaries in those zip codes. The finding supports, they say, the hypothesis of a relatively small but significant group of burglars following the publication of the database and being affected by it. So it would not surprise me that, again, we're talking again about a fairly small subset of people who are uh, inclined to commit burglaries who would have been aware of this database who would have accessed this database. But then, to me, what's really interesting is what those would-be burglars apparently did with that information. Again, there's, a, I think, a, a legit concern among gun owners that the publication of this information is going to lead that subset of burglars to say, aha, now I know where I can go steal a gun. And maybe they wait until the driveway is empty. Maybe they, uh, you know, go in the middle of the day when there are less likely to be people at home. Uh, but that is, I think, a legit concern, even though, according to this research, that's not what happened in Memphis, Tennessee. But the other corollary to this is, of course, that non-gun owners may even put at an increased risk of burglary because their names did not appear in this online searchable database. And so... Again, maybe that subset of burglars decided, you know, guns aren't really what I'm after. I'm just looking for an unarmed victim. That's the most important consideration for me. And therefore, they chose those uh, parts of the city where there were fewer uh, uh, permitted carry holders. Now, what's interesting, uh, according to the uh, academics, is that they say that this is an issue that's going to continue to go forward. They say uh, 19 states allow gun permit holders' information to be made public. 21 states keep that information confidential. And uh, four bills criminalizing the publication of gun owners' names filed in Tennessee after the commercial appeal controversy. The privacy of gun owners is a topic uh, as hotly debated as the actual impact of guns on crime. In principle, they write, the publication of the names of gun permit holders might have produced a host of different outcomes, thus fueling both sides of the debate on the privacy and security trade-offs of gun holders' privacy. Opposing yet equally reasonable theoretical arguments could be put forward to suggest that the availability of this information could carry both positive and negative consequences for permit holders, non-holders, and their respective neighbors. In practice, they write, in the Memphis case, revealing identities and zip codes of gun permit holders seem to lead to a decrease in violent crimes in the areas more likely to host them, and a relative increase in areas Areas with fewer guns. However, they write, despite activism on the part of gun owners against the publication of such databases, we found no evidence that publishing the identities of gun permit holders led to an increase in crimes aimed at stealing their weapons relative to other forms of theft or burglaries. If anything, they write, the loss of privacy seemed to carry a positive but short-lived externality for both those whose identities were published on the database and for some of those living near them. I, you know, listen, here's the thing. I'm willing to make that trade-off, even if the researchers conclude that, well, you know, listen, publishing the names, 
makes you safer because uh, the burglars that are aware of this information are more likely to stay away. I'm okay with slightly elevating my risk of a burglary uh, if it means that my personal information and gun ownership habits are not out there. Now, obviously, look, somebody like me, you know I own a gun, right? You know I've got a carry permit. You know that I carry license in Virginia. But anyway, you know this. However, most of us don't spend our days as Second Amendment activists. Most of us are not known for our Second Amendment activism. And many gun owners may not want that information to be publicly available. It's also important to note that the researchers themselves acknowledge that there are some limitations to this study. Uh, among the many uh, 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 acknowledgments, they say uh, it is open to debate whether a privacy cost had to actually be paid for the decrease in crimes following the publication of the database. On the one hand, they write, one may conjecture that an anonymous publication of gun permit statistics, such as the number of permits in a given zip code, may have achieved similar results without invading individual uh, holders' privacy. On the other hand, they write, part of the appeal of the database, and the reason why it drew significant traffic, was arguably the fact that it included individual permit holders' names. So, in other words, if you just had the release of aggregate data, would it have had the... Uh, impact on that subset of burglars, they might not even have been aware uh, of the release of that information. Uh, this was a controversial thing when the Memphis Commercial Appeal released the names of individual gun owners. The National Rifle Association got involved and uh, pushed back. And again, we talked about the bills that popped up in the Tennessee legislature afterwards. Uh, they also uh, say, quote, on the one hand, a gun permit holder in Memphis may have felt violated even if the publication of the database led to a statistical decrease of certain crimes in her zip code. On the other hand, members of the Memphis community may still invoke a right to know who and how many among them are carrying arms independently of the positive or negative impacts on certain types of crime associated with the publication of that information. Our findings, the academics write, uh, provide new evidence for this debate and bear witness to the power that the revelation of personal information magnified by the evolution of information systems can have on complex societal dynamics. Of course, in uh, Memphis and the rest of Tennessee, it is now more of a moot point than ever uh, because Tennessee is a constitutional carry state. Obviously, we still have a number of concealed carry uh, permit holders in the state of Tennessee. Uh, for the purposes of reciprocity, if nothing else. But a list of concealed carry holders is not necessarily a good proxy, not that it ever really was, a good proxy for gun ownership uh, more generally. Uh, but I would say it is even less so now. And there is even less of a, uh, a, a justification that can be provided by papers like the Memphis Commercial Appeal in terms of publishing the personal information of those permit holders. Again, it's it's interesting food for thought. I would like to see what uh, would happen if they looked at similar uh, uh, you know findings, let's say in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, or in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, one city, one study does not, I think, empirical evidence make. But again, even if there was a slight but noticeable reduction in the number of burglaries in, in uh, neighborhoods with a large number of gun permits, my personal belief is that it is not worth the invasion of privacy uh, for gun owners that uh, 
I wouldn't be willing to make that trade-off, and I don't think that that is a valuable trade-off. But I'd love to know what you think in the comments below. Uh, let me know what you think about this. Would you be okay with your name appearing in a paper saying, yes, uh, Bob owns a gun, if your name is Bob, uh, if it meant that you were slightly, maybe maybe 20% less likely to be the victim of a burglary going forward. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with the story out of the Dallas area where a man has gotten a plea deal in a shooting that wounded a, a woman. He didn't aim at her. No, this was a uh, idiot who was firing into the air. Marcus Lee Broomfield, who's now 20, was 18 when he was arrested, accused of firing several rounds into the air after leaving a water park. Uh, near uh, Waco, Texas. Several uh, of those bullets then pierced the home of uh, Dorothy Trevino while she was asleep that day. One of those bullets actually wounded her, sending her to the local hospital. The gun that uh, Broomfield possessed was stolen, according to authorities, and a grand jury indicted Broomfield on September 17, 2020, on charges of second-degree aggravated assault. Well, the DA... They're handling this case, or the assistant to criminal DA handling this case. Uh, last Friday, recommended deferred adjudication, probation, and a fine as the punishment. The defense attorney obviously went along with this. Uh, and uh, yeah, on Friday, a judge ordered a background investigation for Broomfield, set a sentencing hearing for July the 1st. At the sentencing hearing, the court will set the term of probation and determine the amount of the fine. Let's hope, let's hope. That this was just an idiotic mistake on the part of uh, Marcus Lee Broomfield. But I got to say, the fact that a woman was injured here and the fact that a gun was stolen, I think are aggravating factors that, in my mind, don't make a sentence of probation appropriate here. Now, I don't think Broomfield needs to go to prison for the rest of his life. I think there needs to be some actual consequences beyond don't let this happen again. And uh, apparently that's not going to happen in this case. So let's hope it doesn't happen again. Now, today's Armed Citizen story from Tampa, Florida, where prosecutors say a fatal shooting outside of a downtown restaurant was self-defense because the uh, person who fired those shots was being beaten. Yeah, this was uh, back on February 27th. Prosecutors say an argument inside the Bellow Bar and Kitchen uh, then spilled outside of the restaurant that night. And three men, Adrian Diaz, Kevin Zayas, and Freddie Santiago Jr., ended up attacking this armed citizen. Prosecutors say the uh, uh, victim here, his name has not been released, pulled his gun, fired multiple shots, one bullet striking Diaz in the head and killing him, Zayas and Santiago, survived. They're going to face battery charges. Uh, according to a release from the state attorney's office, the victim was inside this restaurant with his girlfriend. When he got into an argument with Zayas, and then Santiago and Diaz kind of crowded around him until he left for his car. Uh, while the victim was gone, according to prosecutors, security footage captured uh, Santiago arming himself with a butter knife and a drinking glass. And then when the victim came back to the restaurant, Zayas walked over to him and punched him inside the restaurant. Now, the staff of the restaurant then threw everybody out. And that's where things really escalated. Santiago throwing the glass at the victim, stabbing him repeatedly with the butter knife. The three then got on top of the victim and beat him. That's when the victim got onto a knee, drew his gun, and fired. Now, he initially fled the scene. Again, he was being attacked by three guys. 
But he called 911 from a nearby intersection. Once police arrived, he came back to the scene, uh, handed over his handgun. He is a licensed concealed carry holder, uh, but uh, gave his gun to the officers with the Tampa Police Department. Uh, Security cameras captured the whole thing. The state attorney's office said after our thorough analysis, we've determined that the facts and the evidence of this incident prove that the victim reasonably believed that he was in fear of imminent death or great bodily harm when he used deadly force. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Santiago's uh, compatriots, or excuse me, uh, um, uh, Adrian Diaz's compatriots, uh, Kevin Zayas and Freddie Santiago Jr., uh, right now uh, appear to be charged only with battery. I'm kind of surprised that the state attorney did not try to charge those two men with murder given that their actions led to the death of their friend but uh, right now again it looks like uh, battery charges all those uh, folks are facing the armed citizen not facing any charges at all finally today our good deed of the day also from florida where a gainesville police officer is heading overseas to ukraine to help Ukrainians who are uh, uh, being forced to flee their homes because of the Russian invasion. Uh, Officer Christian Hickey says, you know, he's been watching what's going on. He says that feeling is extremely hard. And he says that feeling has turned into conviction and a calling for me. So he is now going on leave from the Gainesville Police Department. He is leaving his wife and three kids behind. And he is heading to eastern Ukraine uh, through uh, a... uh, Nonprofit organization AAA Authority, he and six others have volunteered to bring supplies to Ukraine as well as to help Ukrainians flee their homes for what they hope will be safer ground. He said, quote, is bringing the people from the reality they're living in and just giving them the message of hope and peace and love and let them know that somebody cares about them. Doesn't know how long he's going to be gone. Says he's going to be leaving in the uh, coming days, but the Gainesville Police Department says that they are holding his job for him while he takes a leave of absence. He said, uh, quote, I hope that they can feel how real this is, that this is a real thing, that there are real people who need our help significantly and things that uh, we take for granted every day. Well, good luck and Godspeed to you, sir. Christian Hickey, officer there in uh, Gainesville, Florida, heading over to uh, Ukraine. We thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. We'll be back tomorrow with even more Second Amendment news and information. Don't forget, Wednesday, also our VIP Gold live chat with Hot Air's Ed Morrissey. So if you are not yet a VIP Gold member, I would encourage you to head to BarryingArms.com slash subscribe. Not only will you get exclusive content and analysis at Bearing Arms, but you'll get the same thing from the entire Town Hall Media family of uh, websites, including TownHall.com, PJ Media, Red State, Town, uh, I said Town Hall, Hot Air. It's so hard to keep track of them all. That's how much stuff you get. And again, just go to BarryingArms.com slash subscribe. We'll kick off our live chat 1.30 Eastern tomorrow, but we'll be talking to you on Cam and Company as well. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.